You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right. All right. Last but not least, uh, Lena and I get a chance to introduce uh, some great friends of ours, and uh, that's e- uh, DK and Maui from the Greater Long Beach uh, Downtown Ministry. They're going to be doing the lesson tonight. I, I want to read a little bit of a bio Adika was baptized in 2011 in Long Beach, and he graduated from uh, Cal State uh, Long Beach as well. And uh, DK said here that he loves uh, sleeping in his teddy bear pajamas, and uh, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> We're good friends. But uh, a little bit about Maui. Yes, Maui's a great sister. Just love her so much. Um, they are young married. Um, Maui was baptized in San Diego Ooh. in 2013. Um, they, um, they both graduated from Cal State Long Beach. And I'm so excited that I get to say that they are pregnant and expecting the first child in November. Um, so, um, we're so excited. Congratulations yeah. to you guys. So they will be doing our, their last, uh, uh their, our lesson for tonight. And if you have any questions or anything like that during the lesson, please go ahead and send a private note to Kenny and Kenny will collate that. And then uh, he'll get a chance to disperse the questions uh, adequately. All right. All right. All right. Thank you Westside for, uh, for letting us share with you guys tonight. Um, it's good to see. Um, good to see everybody. Thank you, Ken, for the intro about the pajamas and whatnot. Um, Ken, Ken's a good friend of mine, so uh, I'll let him have that one for free today. But uh, so, so today I'm going to continue the series titled From Many One. Me and Maui are excited to share um, with you guys all tonight. Um, and I just love that title. I love that title because um, I think that that's what church is all about. Church is all about many people coming together and trying to be one, trying to be united in everything that we do. And so um, that's what church is all about. That's what church was all about in the first century when this was written. That's what church is all about now. And that's what church will be all about hundreds of years from now is trying to get many people to be one. Um, and as we all know, if you've been in the church for, uh, for a longer than just a, a few days, that can be very difficult. It's difficult to have everybody be on the same page um, because we're all so different. We have unique quirks. We have unique interests. Um, so I wanted to play a little game with us here today. So what I'm going to need everybody to do is I'm going to need everybody to um, get their, get their group chat ready. Okay. Get your, get your keyboard ready here to answer a couple questions. All right. The first question is this. If I can get the next slide, please. That's a, that's a graph that has all the different colors on it. I just want to know if you can put in the group chat. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? Go ahead and answer that on the group chat there. Um, it's a lot of answers there. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you guys the correct answer at the end here. So, so don't you guys worry, but go ahead and write that down. What's your favorite color? Um, there's a lot coming in. See some blue, some midnight blue, some gold, some black, um, red. All these different colors coming in. Um, you know, this is one question. I didn't even, you guys are putting in colors that I didn't even know existed, right? But that's just one question. And just in this answer, you get so many different answers, right? We're all different. The correct answer was blue, by the way, although I'll, I would have accepted gold or black, but, but, but uh, blue is the correct answer. Purple is not a, is not a color. Whoever put purple, you're wrong. Okay. Um, but blue was the correct answer. Let me let me go ahead and ask another question. Go ahead and uh, change the slide again for me, please. What's your favorite food? Now, I'm going to say it like this. You have one meal left, so then you don't have to worry about, you know, fat or calories or sugars or proteins, whatever. You have one meal left. What are you eating? A type of food. Don't put dinner. Okay, that's not, that's not, a, that's not a type of food. What's your one meal? Oh, wow. I see it. Everybody's got something a little bit different here. A lot of tacos being said here. A lot of tacos being said. Oh, wow. Spaghetti, meat. Meat is a good answer. Burger, burritos. A lot of burrito answers here. 
Um, I'm going to tell you the correct answer was sushi. All right. That was just the right answer. I would have accepted ribs or steak or something, but sushi was the right answer. Okay. Communion's not a real answer, Mr. Brandon Wong. This is not right. That's not, that's not a real thing. But, um, look at how different we all are. I asked two questions. I could have asked more, more uh, controversial questions. I could have gotten more specific, but these are just two random questions. Um, and look at how different all of us are from one another. That's, that is the beauty of the church, right? The church is, is awesome because it's not just one person or one kind of person or, or we're not all the same, right? Um, but here's the other part of that. Here's the flip side of that coin. That can also create problems in the church because we're all so different. Some of us believe that, that, that their, that their last meal should be a salad, right? That's not right, right? Some of us believe that the, that their favorite color is teal. What is that, right? That's not right. And, and, and all of us are so different that, that on a good day, it's awesome. It's wonderful. It's, it's great. On a bad day, it's problematic and, and tension is there and problems are, problems arise from it, right? I kind of see it just like being married, right? All of you who are married can relate that. You and your spouse have differences, and when you are sober-minded and you're thinking about it, you say to yourself, man, I am so glad that my spouse is different than me. I'm so glad that they bring something completely different to the table. Um, me, me and my wife, Marissa, it's kind of funny because um, my wife is, is, a, is a conflict avoider, right? She is not one who loves to, to uh, mix it up with people, right? Something bothers her, her first instinct it's to kind of say, oh, whatever, it happens. Um, I'm the opposite. I am an instigator of conflict, right? So, so, so if you hung out with, with my wife, you would be like, oh, she's just a, she's just a pleasant person. She's so nice, right? If you hung out with me, you would say, that guy, that guy, that guy is a, is a, a troublemaker, right? That guy is not, he, he, he uh, likes to mix it up a little too much. And, and, and on a good day, I'm like, wow, that is just so cool that there's diversity and that there's difference. On a bad day, I could say these words that, that, that I'm going to repeat to you. And those words are, man, I just wish she was more like me. Man, I just wish that she would just tackle conflict the way I tackle conflict, right? And my wife will say to herself, man, I wish that he just let things go the way that I'm able to let things go. And once again, it just depends on the day. It just depends on the situation. But conflict can make, can make our differences into something negative. Right, so I want to go ahead and read a scripture here. Uh, if I can get the next slide, please. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It reads, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Right. And, and, um, you know, that, that is what it's all about. I love that. I love the end of verse 13 where it says it's still one spirit that we are given to drink. Right. So, so there are many parts. It's a whole entire body. There are so many different things going on. We're all so different, but we're all given one spirit. Right. That's the from many, but one. Right. Even in verse 18, you don't have to change the slide, but in verse 18, it talks about it talks about just as God wanted them to be. All the parts of the body are different, just as God wanted them to be. In other words, it's not just happenstance that we're all different. It's as God wants it to be. It is God's plan that we're all different. And so, you know, that's all fine and well. We all like that we're different. It's great. But once again, conflict happens. And so. The, the whole point of our lesson tonight is to kind of help us to see what do we do when conflict happens? What do we do on the days when those differences feel like as if someone's attacking us? What do we do on the, in those times when those differences are not cute? They're not nice. Instead, they are, hey, I don't even know if that guy really loves God because he's like this or she's like this. Or I don't know if, if, if I should be a part of this church because it's like this or it's like that. What do we do to still be one, even when we are all very different from each other? You see, this is a cool chapter in the Bible because in the Corinthian church, um, you know, right at this time, the big conflict was about spiritual gifts. 
and people believing, oh, man, my spiritual gift is better than your spiritual gift. And I should be able to do this because I have this spiritual gift. And, ooh, you don't really have any spiritual gifts, and so you shouldn't be able to do that. And that became, that, that became a reason to divide in the church, right? And so Paul actually, um, if, you, if, you, if you go to the next chapter, uh, chapter 13, he turns it around and says, man, this gift and that gift is cool, but let's not forget that the only thing that matters is loving people. That's it. That's the gift. that That's the one you want to have. All the other gifts are cool, but the ultimate gift is 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 a loving one another. And so Paul is helping them as they navigate this conflict of spiritual gifts. And really, it's we're different. You're different than me. You have this gift. I have that gift. You like this. I like that. You do this. I do that. And Paul writes this in verse 15. If I can get the next slide, please. It reads, now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Right. And so Paul's Paul's imploring the church, listen, just because you're not like that person, just because you're a little bit different, doesn't mean that you stop being a part of the body. It just means that you're different. It doesn't mean that you're better. It doesn't mean that you're worse. It just means that you're different. But we're still one. But the sad part is that oftentimes we we can think that thought. And instead of and instead of understanding that, that that is God's will that we're all different from each other, we can instead feel that we don't belong. And we can instead start to feel excluded. You know, uh, you can just you can just put a thumbs up or or put on the group chat. But how many of you have ever felt in the church that you don't belong, even if it was for a week, for a month, for a season? It could be now. But how many of you have ever felt? in the church that you don't belong, right? I'll tell you, I felt that. I felt that for a couple years as a, as a Christian that I don't belong. How many of you have ever had a friend who felt like they don't belong in the church, right? How many of you have ever been close to somebody or known somebody who's like, you know what, this just isn't for me? And the saddest outcome of all is how many of you guys have known somebody or been friends with somebody who actually left the church because they don't feel like they belong. Right. And, and that is, that is the biggest tragedy of it all. Because if you continue to read this part of this first uh, Corinthians 12, you realize that man, that is of God. It's of God to be different, but man, when it, when it, when it goes to its worst place, you can just say, you know what? I don't, I shouldn't be here. This isn't for me. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and tonight I want to share a story with us to build our faith. And the story is about my family, my physical family, okay? Because this is not unique to the church. This happens in families. This happens at workplaces. It happens everywhere. But the church is family. And so I want to share a story about my, uh, my physical family to encourage us to keep fighting and to keep pushing and to keep striving to belong, um, no matter what the, no matter what the circumstances look like. And so, I'm going to go into my story a little bit. So just as a backdrop, my family, my parents were born in Nigeria and they moved to America probably five years before I was born. And um, they have all the, um, they, if you, if you know uh, people who come here from Nigeria, many of them are very um, exclusively interested in school and their kids doing well in school and their kids achieving, going to the best, whatever. And, and, and that whole thing. And so that was kind of my whole life growing up, my whole childhood. And, and, and that kind of led me to feel like, man, am I, am I good enough here? I, I don't know if, if this is, I, I growing up was not really a good student, right? And so that always led to a lot of tension and a lot of drama growing up. Um, so I'm going to fast forward to my senior year of high school because, um, you know, I was in my last semester, I wasn't sure where I was going to go to, to college. And so pressure was on. And so I actually started cheating in school to get ahead. I actually started copying different assignments that I had and, and cheating on tests and just trying to get ahead however I could. And um, I had a friend, his name was Dakota, okay? And so me and Dakota were just walking one day after school. And just a little bit of backdrop on Dakota. Uh, recently, Dakota had gone on a bus. He had gone on a bus, 
and he was paying for his bus ride. And the guy behind him was like, hey, um, I don't have any money for the bus, okay? And I'm going to tell you who that person was that's going to make you laugh. Uh, the person behind him was a guy named Greg Russell. And a lot of us know Greg Russell, right? Greg Russell, this is like 12 years ago, was like, hey, I don't have any money for the bus. And so Dakota pays for his bus ride, and they sit next to each other on the bus, and Greg Russell reaches out to Dakota. And Greg Russell helps Dakota become become a Christian, right? So although Greg didn't have any bus money, something good came out of it. God used his lack of bus money to do something incredible, right? Um, but anyway, so now fast forward, me and Dakota are walking one day and I'm talking about what all, what, what most 17 year old boys talk about. I'm talking about cheating in school. I'm talking about women. I'm just, I'm just going off and doing the typical teenage boy thing. And, um, and I just, I'll never forget this because Dakota just stops walking and I'm like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? And I turn around and he's like, Hey, DK, don't, don't you claim to be a Christian? This is what he said to me. And I was like, uh, yeah been a Christian my whole life. I was born a Christian. Man, I'm awesome. Like, I'm a Christian. It's all good. And he's like, man, you don't, you don't act like one. You don't, you, I would never know that you were a Christian just by talking to you. This is what he said to me. This is my, this is my boy who I've known for years who just recently got baptized. And I was so upset. So, so he's like, listen though, man, we can study the Bible after school today. So just come after school to the yogurt land and we'll study the Bible. And I, and I tell you, I spent the whole day trying to figure out what I was going to say to this guy because I was so upset with him. I was like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm a Christian. He doesn't know me, blah, blah. And and I kind of got to the end of the day, and then I realized, I was like, I don't actually know any scriptures. I don't know what I would say to this guy to, to convince him that I'm a Christian. Maybe I should just go and be humble and tell him that I don't know what I'm talking about. And so that's what I ended up doing. I ended up going with Dakota after school, and I said, listen, man, you really upset me when you said that. But, you know, you could be right because I actually don't know any part of the Bible at all. And I need you to help me. I want you to teach me. And so me and Dakota began studying the Bible. And we began studying the Bible. This was about January. We studied the Bible all the way through. Summer hit. Um, I actually went to Cerritos Community College. And I continued to study the Bible at Cerritos Community College um, to the point where I was ready to get baptized. Okay. Now, my parents, they were okay with me studying the Bible in high school. Because at different times, they had picked me up um, when I was, you know, after I had been high. They had picked me up after I had been drinking with my friends. They had seen the search history on the, on the computer, and they had seen that I had started getting into some, some, uh, some uh, sketchy things in my life. And so they figured, you know what, man, if he's going to have some friends at school that are going to help him know God, that's a good thing. We're not going to stop him in that way. Um, but as it continued... Um, they started realizing that, you know what, I, I was actually going to a Bible discussion at school and I wanted to go to church on Friday night and Wednesday night and Sunday. And I wanted to do all these different things. And they were like, listen, we don't want you going to that church anymore because, you know, you got to focus on school. This is your last shot. You're at community college. You need to go ahead and make it happen and get to a great university because none of this is going to follow you when you when you're when you're going to to university. But as I went to school and I started studying the Bible, I realized, you know what, I actually just want to do this. I just, I just want to be a disciple. I think I can do even better at school if I'm a disciple. And so, um, so it was, it was around August 2010 and, and I was ready to get baptized. I went to midweek to get baptized and I, and, and I, and I, and I had a bad feeling in my heart because I knew that I was not, that I had not told my parents because I knew that they wouldn't approve. And so I said, you know what, man, before I get in the water here, I'm, I'm going to call my dad and I'm going to tell my dad that I'm going to get baptized today. You know, hopefully they'll support me. So I called my dad and my dad was like, what? We told you to leave that group alone. What's wrong with you? So my dad jumps in the car, drives from Carson to Long Beach, and he jumps out of the car and he enters the midweek and he says, I'm going to find whoever your leader is and I'm going to tell them that they'll never see you here again. I'm going to let them know now. Our leader was Steve Stevenson. He was our campus minister and he wasn't there that day. And so my dad just begins to enter the midweek and he, and I'm like right behind him looking all ashamed of myself. And he's going room to room, just trying to find any adult looking person. It's, it's a campus ministry. And he's just trying to find somebody who he can tell not to expect me anymore, not to expect me to come back. And, and he can't find anybody. So he just finds a random brother in the group and he's like, you, you tell whoever that, that, that my son's never coming back here. And so he takes me home and he scolds me and he tells me, listen, you need to leave that group alone. You need to do better in school. 
We already go to church. You don't need to do that. We already know God. You don't need to do that. Just do better in school. Um, but every day I went to campus, I kept going to Bible talks. I couldn't go to Devo, couldn't go to midweek, couldn't do Sundays, but man, I, I just, I could at least do Bible talks. I could at least be on, be at school with my friends and I could at least study the Bible with people. So I actually studied the Bible with two guys who became Christians during this season where I was just kind of in limbo. And the advice that I was given is, listen, you're still 17 years old. You cannot become a disciple. I mean, you cannot go against your parents yet. But, man, when you become 18, the choice is yours. And so all the while I'm just at school doing my thing, trying to study the Bible with people, trying to be a, a, as much of a Christian as I could be until I got baptized. And so um, I remember waking up on my 18th birthday and my parents were like, hey, happy 18th birthday, son. How's it going? How are you doing? And, 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 and I hadn't brought it up for the last few months because I knew that I knew what I wanted to do on my 18th birthday. So, so I said, hey, guys, you know what I want you guys to do for me today? And they said, what? I said, I want you guys to let me get baptized. I want you guys to let me go to the church. I want to become a disciple. And they just weren't happy. And actually, the conversation ended with them saying, if you want to get baptized, you're going to do that not living here. You can't live here if you want to do that. And I was like, Man, I don't have a job. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a freshman in college. I've never for a day lived away from my parents. I never planned to live away from my parents until I moved away for college. And I was scared and, and I, and, and I just didn't know what to do. Um, and so two weeks later, I just said, you know what? I got to just take this on faith. So I packed up my stuff, put it in a car, got in the car and I left and I moved out of my house. And that day it was January, it was January 30, 2011. I got baptized and I, and I, and I became a disciple and I wish that I could say, man, this was just good. And they, they understood immediately and it was all good, but. It, it caused the biggest rift in my family. It, it, it was like, man, I, I don't even know anymore what's going to happen with me and my family. Um, I ended up finishing community college and, and I was like, man, it's, it's time to go to university. And my parents wanted me to go to a UC school that I got into. And they were all excited. They said, you know what? Maybe this Christian thing was okay for you. Let's go ahead and go to university. And I said, you know what, though, guys, I actually want to stay in Long Beach. I want to go to Cal State Long Beach. And that, infuriated them they were like how could you you're wasting your life what's going on and i said okay i gotta do it and then i I finished school and they're like you know what you finished school you're good maybe this christian thing's okay now you can go to law school and i was like you see the funny thing is that i just got offered an opportunity to be in the ministry and to lead in the church guys it's a great thing right and they were like how could you you're wasting your life what are you doing? Right. Matter of fact, one day my, my uh, brother came up to me and he said, Hey, um, I like what you're doing. Can I actually come with you to midweek? And I said, sure. So, so I took my brother in the car. We drove to midweek. Um, and, and he had a, he had an awesome time. And on the way home, my, my parents called him and said, Hey, where are you? He said, oh, I just went to, to, uh, to a DK's church. It was so much fun. And they said, you better get home right now. And that night they told me, listen, if you do that again, you, you can't come back here. Right. You are not going to be a part of this church and, and you are not going to take anybody with you to be a part of this church. And so um, it was just a crazy time. And it culminated with me wanting to get married three years ago. It had been seven years of just distance and awkwardness and weirdness. And I said, you know what? Surely when I get married, my parents will turn and they'll say, you know what, son, we'll we'll at least go to your wedding. You're forgiven. You're all good. So I, I gave my parents the invite. I said, guys, you're going to come to my wedding. And they said, we are not going to your wedding because you you have never obeyed us. And I'm like, no, nah, guys, said, come on. It's my wedding. You guys can't miss my wedding. And they're like, no, we're not going to go to your wedding. And I said, well, at least my siblings go. But my siblings were like, listen, we're not going to take sides against the family here. If they're not going, we can't go. You're on your own on this one. And so I'll never forget getting married and, and um, doing my doing my mother's son dance with a with a Karen Plymel, who was, who, who was like my mother in the church and not having my family there and, and having the Matthew family sitting in the front row where my family was supposed to be sitting and just kind of feeling like, man, this is over. I have no relationship with my family. This has cost me everything. Right. And, uh, meanwhile, I just have my wife who, who doesn't know any of this. This is all happening from, from long before I knew her and she's entering, uh, this marriage with all this baggage. And so I want to go ahead and have my wife share just her perspective in all of this. 
Yeah, full share a little bit. Um, it's kind of hard not to get emotional with hearing that whole story, but as DK um, kind of shared, I am totally a conflict avoider, and he thrives on conflict or just a good discussion, and I run and flee from it. And so to enter this conflict um, with his family, I it was so brand new. It was something I never expected. It was something that I was hopeful, like he was, that they would come around and um, be supportive. Um, and I think a part of me, I mean, so much of my character was exposed during this situation, of course, the last few years of marriage and things. But I think the reason why conflict is so hard for me is because I feel personally attacked when I have conflict. Um, and I felt that way in this situation with this family. I felt like, okay, it must be something with me. You know, it must be personal to who I am or my race or my ministry position or different things like that. Um, but in the reality of the situation is this com- this conflict started way before I was even in the picture and was more, had less to do with me than it did to then it had to do with DK and his family dynamics and the fact that um, his family had dreams for him, you know, and he chose other dreams that were, you know, great, but not aligned with his family. And so during this time, I was really um, conflicted. I felt very tempted to make it personal, um, be upset, feel like it was unfair. And I can do that separate from our um, family background. I can do that in the church. I can feel like when someone comes to me um, and addresses something in my character or addresses something um, that I can grow in, I can feel personally attacked. I can feel like they must not like me or they must not um, view me, view highly of me. And I can take it very personal instead of believing that my family, whether physical or in the church, really it's about Jesus and making, helping me become more like Jesus. And so although it was just a painful time of understanding DK's family um, and his family dynamics, because it was so different from me, I, I learned that about myself, but I also learned DK kind of referenced first um, Corinthians 13 um, and just that line in verse four, that love is patient. And I felt, several times like okay how do I love in this situation how do I love this family that I've never met that I don't understand that is so different from me and um, I think the scripture helped me remember that sometimes conflict resolution is so out of our control you know there wasn't a quick fix it required a lot of prayer and a lot of just really hearing DK out and being with him and bearing with him instead of entering and looking for a quick solution or making it about me and personal to me and instead just really bearing um, with him and the whole situation. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that a little bit. All right. Thank you, babe, for sharing. Um, and that is a challenge that we can face in the church sometimes is that um, we are, if you can change the slide for me, please, too, actually. Um, we can begin to feel isolated and we can begin to feel like, 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 uh, people have it out for us. And we can feel like, a like, a the uh, penguin on the right of your screen, right? You can feel like, man, you know what? They don't love me. They don't, they don't want me to succeed. There's something wrong with me and, and, and I'm just outside of the group. And that's a tough place to be, right? That's a tough place to be. And my family, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, you can imagine what my, what my number one prayer was for the, for, for years was just, I want to be close to my, I want my wife and my family to be at the same table for, 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 for something. And just, I want us to be a family. I don't want my wife to never meet my family. I don't want to have kids and have my children not know their grandparents. And, and it was just such a stressful time, but, but yet, um, in our family in the church, this is this is how it can be. This is this is the temptation for us. And so I want to go ahead and read verse 21. If you can change the slide for me, please. Uh, verse 21 of First Corinthians chapter 12. Um, it says, "As it is, there are many parts for one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I, I don't need you.' 
and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Next slide. Um, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And as we and as we read the scriptures and as I close out, um, I had a decision to make in that moment with my family, just as we have a decision to make every moment with our spiritual family. It's do I just say to my family, I don't need you guys. You guys have burned me too many times. You guys have excluded me too many times. You guys have hurt me too many times. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need this anymore. Or do we say, you know what? I am going to have equal concern. I am going to suffer with, 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 with my family right now, even if it means that it hurts. I'm gonna, I'm going to rejoice with my family one day, whatever it takes, even if I don't feel like it. We always have a choice of how we're going to respond in these moments. And with my family, for the first few months of being married, I chose part one. I said, forget you guys. I'm not going over. I'm not going to hang out with you guys. You guys don't want to meet my wife. Well, I'll show you guys. I'll show you guys. Okay, watch. We're going to have some kids one day. And I was super vindictive. And I was like, you guys aren't even going to know my kids, whatever. And I was just resolved to just put the hand up and say, I don't need you guys. Um. But six months in, I was like, you know what? Honestly, this actually isn't getting me anywhere. I'm just more lonely than I ever have been. You know what? I gotta love my family. I gotta love them. This is uncomfortable. They don't, they don't, they don't seem like they are ever gonna come around. But I, I, I at least owe it to God to love my family. Right? So I started going over every week and they wouldn't let me bring Maui. I would ask them, hey, can I bring my wife? And they'd be like, no. Hey, can I bring? No. Hey, that's my birthday party. No. And it was just always awkward like that. Eventually, my siblings came around. They started meeting Maui, and that was really cool. But my parents said, no, we're not going to meet your wife. And it was te- it was awful, and it was, te- it was a lot of tension. And I'll never forget this last November. Um, it, w- it, was like, it was like 5.30 in the morning on a Saturday. I don't even know why I was up at this time. But I woke up to it. I woke up to the text, actually, and I was like, that would be interesting. It was my mom, and I pressed it, and she said, hey, I want you to bring your wife over in a couple weeks for Thanksgiving. And I was like, what in the, what, what? And, and it was funny because she was almost saying it as though, as though there was no tension for the last 10 years, right? It was just kind of, yeah, I bring her over. Why not? But I was like, whoa, this is crazy. What is this? And I couldn't believe it, right? And then Thanksgiving became Christmas because there was some, there was some stuff happening in the house, but I'll never forget Christmas morning, getting in the car, driving over to my parents' house. And, and, and opening the door and my, and my mom greeting my wife with the biggest hug ever. She was like, Oh man, welcome to our house and handing her a Christmas gift, right? She handed her the Christmas gift. We're just sitting and my dad's making jokes as though she was one of us. And I, and I was like, and, and literally I sat there and I looked around and I was like, this is every, this is the, the most important prayer I've ever had. This is the one right here. This is, this is God right here. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it took 10 years. It took three years of being married. And, and here they are pull, pulling me into the family after years of feeling disconnected. And, you know, I, I, I will never forget that for, for as long as I live. And now this year already, we've, we, we've hung out with them three or four. We, we just hung out on Father's Day, actually. And, um, you know, my, my mom has, 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 has called my wife and talked to her. My siblings are connected to my wife. And it's a completely different ballgame. And to me, it happened all at once. And that's the point, right? The point is that if, if we, if we say, I don't need you to the body, we give up that opportunity. We give up that chance. We, we say, God, I don't care what you're going to do. I don't care what, what, uh, what a miracle you have waiting. I give up. But when we say, you know what? I'm going to hang in there. I'm not going to give up. This is difficult. This is painful, but I'm going to hang in there with my family. You never know what God's going to do. I'm not saying that it'll always end up the way that it ended up for me, but you just have no clue what God's going to do. And so I have one more slide here and one more practical for us here. 
is this. Next slide, please. Oh, you guys already changed the slide. My my uh, practical for us is to pull somebody in this week. You never know that God will use. You never know if that person is like the little penguin on the far right who just who just is feeling on the outs, is feeling not connected, is feeling um, not not connected to anybody else in the church. You never know how God will use you. Maybe you're the person right now who needs to be pulled in. I just want to challenge us and encourage us this week. We're in a church full of people that are different. We like different foods. We have we like different colors. We like different political parties. We have different personalities. We handle things completely different from each other. And what we can always do is pull somebody in, is choose to love somebody, is not let anybody be on the outs. And if you're on the outs, to continuously fight. Because, man, even though this church is, 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 is of many, from many different people, we're all still on. So I want to encourage us tonight as I close out here just to remember that fact and just to pull somebody in this week. So thank you guys for letting us speak tonight. Love you guys. And I'll go ahead and pass it back to whoever's going to get the mic next. Wow. 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 Let's give it up for DK and Marissa. That was amazing. Thank you guys for sharing your story. And it's, it's not a the story is not over yet. It's an ongoing story. So it's very encouraging, uh, very applicable. And, um, yeah, I mean, before I share this question, we have a few questions. If you have any questions, please make sure you message me so I can share it with them and we can ask them to go through that. But I remember actually meeting DK. DK, I think you remember this, but we had an LA internship. It was, we were both in college. And, you know, when you sit down, you try to get to know people. And you're like, oh, so tell me your story. So I'm telling my story. Then I'm like, oh, it's pretty vulnerable. Oh, man, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to start crying. And then I hear his story. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that is great. Your parents kicked you out of your what? And we're both Nigerian. So I was just like, dang, man. Um, I can envision what that would look like if my parents weren't a part of the church. So I'm super grateful for not only DK for your sharing and Marissa for your sharing, but also just for your perseverance. Um, most people would not have endured those 10 years. So let's give it for DK again, DK and Marissa again. Thank you guys for sharing so much. We love you. Um, as questions still keep coming in here. So, uh, first question is, and Rachel, make sure you spotlight them when they, uh, yeah. Uh, first question here is, um, were there any times during that 10 year period where you uh, just felt completely uh, discontent and you just said, you know what, I don't really want to be a part of the church anymore? Um, and if, if so, how did you how did you able, how were you able to get over those humps, uh, those bumps throughout the way? Um, well, thanks for asking that question. That's a great question. Um, I think I actually felt the exact opposite most of the time um, because I felt that I had nothing if I left the church, you know? So, so it, it almost reminds me of that passage in John where uh, Jesus tells everybody that, uh, that they have to eat his blood and drink his, I mean, drink his blood and eat his body. And everybody just left. Cause they're like, this is weird. So everybody left. And then he looked at the 12 and he's like, Hey, aren't you guys going to go? And the 12 were like, hey, listen, we, we, we don't have anywhere else to go. Like, you're just kind of it for us. And so for me, I kind of felt that, that in the church, that was kind of it for me. Like, I didn't, I didn't have anywhere else to go, even if there was conflict within the church. And, and the cool part about it is that it actually helped me to learn to work on my conflict at home, you know, because, um, you know, you just, you just got to work it out in the church. You, I, 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 I just couldn't go over two with families, right? And so, um, so I just have to keep working it out and, and keep pushing myself. So I would say that there was obviously conflict even within the church, but um, everything with my family made me feel like, you know what, I got to stick this out because I have nowhere else to go except God and his, and his church. Awesome. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Really good sports analogy. You can go over two with the family. <laughs> so I like that. I like that. <laughs> Next question, I think it's more directed towards Marissa, but obviously you both can answer. What are some specific practicals for conflict avoiders? Uh, well, I think Marissa should definitely answer this. And how to be perseverant in conflict. DK, as DK walks away. Go ahead, I'm, Marissa. Right. 
Um, I think, so I've read a lot of great books about conflict avoiding, but also the power of the mind. And so um, I think in conflict, usually something is going in on our head, in our head. We, something internal, if you dig deep enough, it's either this person's attacking me or, oh my gosh, this is uncomfortable. So I think speaking to that has been really important for me. Like, okay, DK, we're in conflict. This is what I'm tempted to feel. This is what I'm thinking. I know it's not true. I know it's probably unsound, but I need to get it out there so it can be in the light and it can be attacked instead of just, I mean, our minds are crazy powerful. We we can just spiral. And so um, I would say that is really good. Um, And I think, I mean, this is something that's been great for me in therapy is, okay, why, why do I avoid conflict? And I think I've gotten, I mean, a piece of it is, um, I take it very personal and I take it as an attack to my character. And so I think just asking those deep questions, okay, where does this come from? How does conflict make me feel instead of, I don't like conflict and I don't want to deal with it because there's going to be conflict anywhere and everywhere. So, yeah. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, you definitely married someone who will who'll call you on that conflict, you know. DK is very direct. <laughs> So, which is good. That's great. That's great. Uh, so next question. Also, just keep in mind, I have a few questions here. They're all from campus students and yo pros. Not to call any other ministries out or anything like that. But, uh, it seems like the young people are, are asking all the questions. So just wanted to, just want to throw it out there. Next question. After being hurt, how do you continue to love while rebuild, right, while rebuilding trust. After being hurt, how do you continue to love, like truly love, not kind of that fake love stuff, truly love while rebuilding trust? That's a good question. Man, I gotta think about that one. How do you continue to love while rebuilding trust? So, I, so I, I'm answering this on the spot, so I actually don't know if this is correct, but for me in my experience, in my specific experience with, with my family, I think that I had to, it, it was flipped. So I had to choose to love because so, so this is basically because my parents, um, you know, just because I'm the disciple, I'm the one who's, who's a part of the church and the family. I knew that if I drew my line, line in the sand and they drew their line in the sand, um, it was, it was just never, we were never going to meet each other. And so I knew that I had to, I had to be the one to say, listen, I'm going to come to the house, even if you guys don't want to meet my wife. Hey, I'm going to initiate with you guys, even if I know you guys won't initiate that. And so I think that for me, it was making the decision to love. And it was great because once I actually uh, made the decision to love, it's almost like in, in, in the book of John as well, when, when Jesus says, um, it's when you, when you, he talks about you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? When you, when you obey my teachings. And so there's just this idea of we have to, like, I had to do it first. I had to, like, first take the step and say, I'm just going to obey his teachings here. Like, he told me to love them. Like, I can't negotiate this with God. I have to obey his teachings. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is how I build trust. I have to do it on their terms because I have to meet, I have to meet them where they're at. And I believe that it was doing that that helped my family be like, okay, we can accept you again. And, and even though that seems backwards on their end, I think that they had to they had to see me take a couple steps. They had to see me um, love them first, and before they made the decision to love. And so I would say it's hard. I would say it's probably hard to do both, but but the decision probably has to be made first to love. And then the trust gets built as you choose to obey God and to love is my non-expert opinion. So there we go. Mm-hmm. Now that makes, that actually makes sense. It sounds like you're referring to that, you know, that agape love, the I'm doing this because I need to do this. Not like that romantic love, which feels nice, but just that choosing to love. So thanks for sharing. Next, we have a few more and then we'll, we're gonna, we're gonna have announcements and close. So get your questions in if you have any right now. Uh, this is for more, more seasoned veteran in the church. So we have a different, different demographic here. 
question is, obviously you were pressed on every side, but not defeated. Did you both seek advice through this time and how and what kind of advice did you get through this time period? Um, so, yes, we got a lot of advice, of advice. And I think we had kind of a spectrum. I think some people had never dealt with a situation like this, so they couldn't um, speak to it personally. But I think the advice that helped me was um, – I ran into um, a Nigerian woman at a baby shower and I pulled her aside. She was a disciple. I pulled her aside and I said, listen, I don't know your name. You don't know my name, but let me tell you what's going on in my life. And she just laid out the culture to me and laid out and helped me understand that it's not as emotional, as emotionally connected as it is logically connected to them their their parents um his parents had a dream for his life that you know he didn't go with that in itself is a heartbreak or a frustration for them and they're protecting themselves you know it's not me and so I thought that going after and understanding the culture or just understanding somewhat of what they could be thinking and trying to understand them really helped my heart because it was something that I had never understood or dealt with and so I, th- I remember that particular instance um that really helped me have empathy for them and I think from that point forward I just started praying a ton for them and for their family yeah um I, I would say for me I also sought advice but um I think the best advice I got was actually from from a shake any foma uh Kenny's parents I went over for dinner one day and um they were they were able to relate to my parents in a lot of ways and just give their perspective, kind of like what my wife shared. But I also got a lot of bad advice too. I actually got tons of bad advice. From, it was mostly from people who didn't really understand the culture, and so I got advice like, "Hey man, you need to walk up in there and tell them that they need to be at your wedding because it matters." And so I did this. I was like, "Guys, you need to come to my wedding. That's my biggest day." And my parents were like, "No, we're just not gonna go. Sorry." And, and and I got other advice, and it was like, listen, dude, you need to, you don't need to hang out with them until they meet your wife. So you just draw your line in the sand, and you just don't go over there. You don't love them. It's just dishonoring your wife. And so I tried that for that six month period, and I was like, this is bad advice. Like this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. Like what am I doing? <laughs> so I got a lot of advice. It was over ten years, so you're bound to get some bad advice too if you, if you get advice all the time for ten years in a row. So. Um, but I would say the best advice um, came from the shaking foam and just from everybody who told me, hey, hang in there. Like, don't give up. I remember actually Lena Child shared her story um, with me as well. And it was a very similar story. And just everybody who told me, um, don't give up, keep praying about it, don't give up praying about it. I would hear different lessons of people who, who said, is there a prayer that you stopped praying? And I'm like, oh, gosh. So every so often I would stop praying that prayer. And so um, there's just a lot of there, there was a lot of advice given some some bad, most of it good. And yeah, there it is. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's bound to be some bad advice. And even someone in the chat said your you get bad advice can come from good people. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Very, very true. And. Yeah, it's cool. I, I wonder if my parents told you, they're like, if we weren't Christians, we would have done the same thing to Kenny, you know. <laughs> know but um, anyway, that was, a, that was a joke for anyone. All right, last question, and then we will do announcements and close everything. So last question. I know there are more, so what I'm going to do is send DK and Marissa the questions that weren't answered, and I will refer them back to you. And if you want to make them publicly public, then I'll give them your information. So just so you know, it's not over yet. Last question. I got a few actually about this, so I'm going to synthesize them into kind of one overarching thing. Um, what helped your parents come around eventually to actually meeting your wife and reckon? Because you shared that they did it, but what was the? Do you even know the catalyst that led to them saying that text message at 5:30 a.m. saying, "Hey, you know, come over for dinner for Thanksgiving. Here's a present." Like, what do you what do you think led to it? What are your theories, or do you know? Um, no, I don't know. I don't even know, honestly. It, it was just the randomest. There was no way the day before that I would have bet you that it would happen. It was completely random. 
she um I've asked her and it and it's slightly more clear but not really it just seems to be God is the right answer what what my mom has explained is that um there were different influence like so so she was getting bad advice as well from just Nigerian people in her life and all of those people were basically saying if you let him off the hook and if you meet his wife you're weak and so you can't meet his wife you have to stand your ground and so she just kind of in her mind what my mother has told me is like we just kind of tuned those people out and we just said it was but once again even that's random like I didn't have anything to do with that and so it just seems that it was God and that it was somewhat random and that I know that if, if, if they didn't make the decision to let me come over still and hang out with them every Saturday, that it wouldn't have happened. And I know that if I wouldn't have made the decision to go hang out with them, that it wouldn't have happened. But I can't really point to anything that I did to say like, Oh, this was it or, any, or it just was honestly God. And it was a, a whole bunch of things all at once that led to them just saying now's the time. So. It's not a great answer, but that's just kind of what happened. Yeah, I think it's I think God's a great answer. So uh, yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. So it's just there's sometimes there's things that occur you can't pinpoint one reason why, but God's always working even when we're not aware, even when we don't see it. So yeah, God, even Catherine Trump, but God, you know, God. Um, so Amen. So grateful. Thank you guys so much again for sharing. Let's give it up for them one more time for the Ezenekwes. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so grateful for you, and we would love to have you back. So we're, we're, we'll pick you again. Put it. We'll make it happen. All right, DK. Sure. <laughs> You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.